Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tulsa Legal, your favorite locally based podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Back after another little hiatus, this time for decent reason. I had some uh, technical difficulties, almost lost everything, but luckily I was able to salvage it, including the interview that you're about to hear, which is with the founder and owner of the Peak Dispensary. It's actually a location that's in Edmond, but it's sort of this franchise collective that has a location in Tulsa as well. I just wanted to talk to the guy who started it all. Um, Pretty cool dude. We had a great discussion, and uh, so without further ado, enjoy. Okay, I'm here with Corbin from the Peak Dispensary out here in Edmond, actually. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Corbin? Yeah, my name is Corbin Wyant. I'm the CEO of the Peak Dispensary, and we are an Oklahoma group that is essentially a bunch of dispensary owners that wanted to band together to set standards and do something incredible for our patients here in Oklahoma. So you say band together, All right, so why don't you explain that? Because you have a couple locations that are called the Peak Dispensary sure. and everything. So why don't you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, so we were originally going to open a few stores by ourselves here in Oklahoma City and eventually Tulsa. And we started to meet some incredible people that wanted to do the same sort of thing. They wanted to set a standard when it came to dispensaries. They wanted to dispel that notion that, you know, it's, it's only people... Um, there's only a certain type of people that use marijuana. We all wanted to do something to help the patients that felt uncomfortable with coming into a dispensary feel comfortable coming into our stores. So we all banded together and we started a group under one name, the Peak Dispensary. And each of our stores has their own unique identifier name. So the one in Tulsa, our East Village Dispensary is still considered the Peak, but we call it the East Village Dispensary. Okay. Now, um, you said not to hold back on questions, so I'm going to ask you. Hit me with it. Exactly how many children do you plan on getting addicted to marijuanas? Well, there's a thousand foot limit as how close you can be to a school. So most of our stores are about a thousand and one to a thousand and two feet away from the schools. Okay. Uh, we have promotions like kindergarten Thursdays and bring, <laughs> bring your baby Fridays. No, no. All right. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there's nothing. Uh, we definitely uh, we can actually serve children, believe it or not. Um, they have to have a caregiver with them, but we have children that come into our stores as young as 12 years old. Okay. And, I mean, what, what kind of afflictions would a 12-year-old have that would, you know, that cannabis would help with? A lot of our children patients are, uh, have, they have epilepsy. Okay. It's is one of the main things that we've seen. Okay. Um, so you were, you were kind of talking about just when you say thousand feet from the school. So what are some other kind of barriers or restrictions that were put on you that you had to work through in order to get the store up? Well, the original rules rolled out in 788 were, uh, uh, upended by the emergency provisions from chapter 661. And they wrote about 64 that was Oklahoma pages. Health Department that did that, right? Uh, correct. Okay. So they wrote about 64 pages of rules and regulations and, you know, it required things that were strict but not unfair. Things like a limited access area that only patients with medical cards could enter. Uh, you know, they set security standards and protocols and things like that. And that was all reasonable. But then they shifted it a month later and they came up with a new set of rules. They added about 20 pages to the list and they were going to require Whoa. pharmacists to be on staff which would have been a killer for most stores. I mean, you know, pharmacists on average in the US make around $130,000 a year. Imagine having to have a pharmacist on staff for your payroll right off the bat. It just it wasn't doable especially with the number of patients we have in the market. They were also going to disallow flour to be sold. 
limit the amount of THC to next to nothing, and they had all sorts of things that they were going to put on us that really would have put a shutdown to the medical marijuana program here in Oklahoma, but thankfully we had a little bit of fiasco with that, and uh, it didn't end up being passed. So yeah, There was a lot of pushback, wasn't there? Yeah, there was, yeah. A, there was a load of pushback on that, and there's still a load of pushback on different cities, municipalities, that are putting restrictions where 788 clearly says there cannot be restrictions. Such as? Any examples? Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of them. Newcastle, for instance, Yukon. Uh, Yukon's is the most interesting to me. They say you can't have a dispensary a thousand feet from a school, church, daycare, playground, park, museum, residence, or a Taco Bell. That last one's a joke, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you could have a dispensary a thousand feet from a really thing. trying to stick In it fact, to we're, we're trying to get Taco Bell to let us do a joint place with them. No pun intended. But um, sh- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. So, um, what what inspired you to kind of get involved in this? Because I mean, you guys had your side up and everything going pretty pretty quickly after yeah. it was all said and done. So, what inspired us was, you know, there's this stigma here in Oklahoma. Everybody always wishes that they live somewhere else. Everyone always looks to the east and the west coast, and some people look north even and. We always talk here in Oklahoma about how we wish the state were like other states, and we want the experiences of other states, and yet no one in this state is ever willing to build those experiences and to take the time and energy it takes to craft them. So we wanted to do something a little different, and we also wanted to build an experience that the 43% of people that voted against 788 could come into and say, wow, I don't think that I ever understood what a medical marijuana dispensary was. What do you feel like some of the biggest misconceptions are about medical marijuana in general? Uh, I think it's that people just want to get high. I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions that I've seen. Uh, We have so many patients who come in and they've just, they tell us that their lives have been changed. And they'll come in and, you know, we have gentlemen that are suffering from seizures daily that are now having dozen pills a day and now they're down to one or two pills after just a short time you know the FDA of course hasn't said that medical marijuana can cure or help with any of these things but patients can say what they like and the patients have spoken unanimously that this has been a life changer for them so when you're talking about the FDA and everything does that I know a lot of times with these sorts of programs are there any restrictions for what you are allowed to say or how you're allowed to word things to people who come in looking for something specific? Absolutely there are, or else we'll face the wrath of the FDA. <laughs> so we can't say that anything will help with or cure or heal or any word that means that it can, it will do something. We can say it can help with a certain ailment. Oh. We can say that our patients have reported that it has helped them with something. But as a dispensary, we can make no claims about the validity of the effectiveness of a product. Okay. Now, do you have to have, do you have to have your, what exactly is the licensing that goes into having a place like this? What, what did you, what paperwork did you have to fill out? So it's actually a pretty simple process to open a dispensary. All of the forms are online on the Oklahoma Medical Marijuana, uh, Oklahoma Medical Marijuana Authority's website. And it's as simple as how many people you have involved in the organization, the LLCs, the federal employee identification numbers. Um, they they basically just want to make sure that your store is a thousand feet away from a school and that 75% or more of the business is owned by Oklahoma residents. And that's all there is to it. Oh, okay. That's a requirement. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Um, so what, what about the, the average person that comes in here? I mean, are, is what are you getting majority... 20-year-old stoners that just want to 
Yeah, so our average aged patient is actually right about 55 years old. Uh, you would be surprised at the number of people that are even in their 80s that'll come in and they're seeking relief. You know, their whole life they were told from their doctors that this pill will help with this and this pill will help with that. And at some point in life you look down and realize that you've got 30 different pills you're taking every day and it's wrecking these people. You know, we have patients that are coming in and they've been on opioids for 10 years and they can't do it anymore. They're physically shivering when they talk about it because they are so tired of having to take those opioids. So the average age of the people, I really think, is the group of people that were told that medicine worked a certain way and they were somewhat lied to about the effectiveness of pills and the number that they would ultimately have to take to fix even the side effects of other pills. I mean, there are pills to help with the side effects of other pills. Can you imagine? And those <laughs> pills can have side effects. I just think that that's incredible that there are physicians out there that actually allow their patients to be taking 20 to 30 different types of pills. So, okay. yeah, it's, it's just the group of people that felt like they had been betrayed by the current medicine system. And they're really the group of people that spearheaded 788 through. They're the group that's the most excited. You know, even if they're the ones that talk about it the least and seem like they would be against it the most, it is thanks to people that are 40 years and older that this passed. Hmm. Hmm. I guess I wouldn't have ever thought about it that way. So where, where exactly does your supply come from? Because I noticed, I mean, you don't just have buds out there you have you know different edibles and different sure. things like that so where where do you get all those things yeah so all of it's grown and processed right here in oklahoma we work with local growers local processors uh, everything is done right here in the state are there is that are those just different facilities like you say processing so there's sure. a there's a whole separate place because you don't do any of that here you don't No. okay so what uh you were talking about quality then what is your process to make sure that the stuff that you have is because I feel like that there's a, you know, one of the big fears about the illegal drug market is the fact that you don't really know exactly what you're getting. You sure. just have to trust some random guy that is like, Oh yeah, no, he says it's cool. So it must, I guess it's cool. So how do you, how do you check for quality? Sure. So we actually personally inspect all of the product before it comes in the stores. We get to know our vendors very well. I mean, I just went and toured a, a grower's facilities yesterday just to make sure that they looked like they were on the up and up. Um, you know, some good news for patients at home is is that the food board actually just sent legislation to Mary Fallon's desk that if she signs will require them to have certain testing standards for the processed goods and packaging requirements as well that are so desperately needed right now. Okay, yeah, so it's so it's safer, is what you're saying. Absolutely. It is safer than buying from, you know. Sure, and I think there's a certain level of fear uh, that goes into a lot of the products. I mean, um, you know, I have seen some very, very, very poorly processed things. Some of them even smelled like uh, propane, even, hmm. which is definitely a hazard. But on the whole, whenever you come into one of the peak dispensary locations, whether that's in Tulsa, McAllister, Oklahoma City, it doesn't matter. We have one in McAllister, too. Absolutely. Cool. The products have been tested, and we have made sure that there is quality through and through. So let's, I, I kind of want to get into a little bit of what is your personal history? Because you, you're, you're a young guy, you know, you, and is this, is this your first big venture that you've well, taken I'm not, upon? I'm not that young. I just moisturize. Oh. That, that's the key. <laughs> that's the key is it's just moisturize, you know? Okay. All right. I'll, I'll have to get your moisturizer yeah, from you. If yeah. you know anyone at Dove and they're looking for a campaign spokesman, let them know that I use Dove twice a day. Okay. All right. It keeps I, the wrinkles hey, away. If, as I'm sure executives from Dove are listening to this right now. Oh, I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. 
Uh, it's a very big podcast. But yeah, so <laughs> back to you, though. What, what, what is your history? Yeah, so uh, I worked with a couple of startups out in California, and I've worked with a lot of businesses here. And through it all, I've always lived in Oklahoma, and I would either telecommute or fly out and do jobs in different places. And, you know, I kind of just put my foot in the door when it came to marketing. And as soon as I saw this opportunity opening up here, I knew that we could do something a little bit different. So we started building the website, our beautiful mobile application. Uh, we started kind of building the frameworks for what we thought a good dispensary that helps to dispel negative notions looked like. And it's been very effective so far. We've had a lot of people that have responded very well to the branding that we've done the choices that we've made when it comes to the quality of products, how we treat our patients when they walk through the door. I mean, we have little Debbies up at the front of our stores, and you can come <laughs> in and you can snack your heart out. Well, you know, I will say that that is the reason that I picked you over dispensaries that might have been exclusive to Tulsa sure, is because you Debbie's. actually put effort into, you know, getting your website, getting all sorts of other stuff there and everything like that. Everyone else just kind of seems to be like, eh, I'm selling weed. I don't need to do anything. Right. You know? And that's never been our, our way of looking at this. It's about so much more. You guys are a professional business. Yeah. Well, that's what we want to be. You know? yeah. when, we, when you walked into our dispensary today, did you think that looked like what you thought a dispensary was going to look like? No. No. It's an extremely mm. clean, neat, just, yeah. Sanitary is the word that we hope we can go there for. There you go. Yes. And we want people to know that when they come in, this is a clean facility. We take our sanitization standards incredibly seriously here. And we only use organic sanitizers, of course, to make sure that all of our products and countertops are safe. And, you know, we, we take everything very seriously when it comes to this industry because we feel like if we didn't, then there wouldn't be any other groups out there that could show the Oklahoma legislatures that maybe this is something that's helping people and maybe it is something that they need to give a chance to when they start legislating here next year are you all one of the first are you were you all the first dispensary to officially no, open no, no. No. so the the wording of of things was a tad off so uh, there were some dispensaries that opened on October 26th because that was the first date that theoretically a dispensary could open it's oh, the okay. first date that growers could have mature plants but, of course, that meant that in order to have product on October 26th, uh, it had to have either been not cured correctly, brought in from out of the state, which is, of course, illegal, um, or otherwise grown early before all of the licensing was given. So we started selling as soon as we could verify that our growers here that we had spoken with months in advance had their products and their crops ready to go that they had grown right here. I appreciate that because, you know, that in conjunction with what you were saying before, that, that shows that you are really, you know, you're just really making an effort to do everything completely by the book and just kind of, that, that's what you're saying. You, you kind of want to be the face of like, this this is something that can be done properly sure. and we're going to be the ones to do it properly. I always tell people we'll be the first to be audited and the last to be shut down. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. So were there any differences, because you were talking about different counties and different areas and everything, were there any differences between Tulsa and Oklahoma or Edmond in what you had to do to kind of prepare for opening? So Tulsa was a little bit interesting. Um, you know, it's kind of been a back and forth over there. Broken Arrow especially was a little bit uninviting to dispensaries for a while. Um, for Tulsa, they have things like they don't want a dispensary a thousand feet away from another dispensary, which isn't really a big deal. Um, you know, they they ultimately, though, kind of did conform to what the state had legislated or what the voters had passed, I should say. Yeah. So everything's good in Tulsa. We didn't have a lot of trouble. Our dispensary out in Tulsa, uh, you know, I may be a little biased, but I think it will be one of the most beautiful dispensaries in Tulsa for many, many years to come. Uh, our owner down there, um, an incredible guy, 
very connected to the community and he purchased an old building downtown that was you know crumbling and he renovated this building and he wants to bring more life back to downtown he wants to be part of that revival and he sees this dispensary as a great way to bring people downtown that wouldn't normally have come down and it has it's brought a lot of people and a lot of life down there what's his name uh, he usually doesn't like me to give out his name. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, you know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, sure. No. Um, so do you guys, I mean, with kind of being a little bit of a tightly controlled industry, do you guys put on events for your patients? Do you, do you have anything coming up that you'd want to promote that you want to tell people about? We don't necessarily have events, especially not while it's medical. Sure. Um, you know, it's the same concept as people ask why we don't have a tip jar. They've seen tip jars in other states where it's recreational. Uh, we're trying to take this seriously as medicine now, and when things shift towards recreational, then we can re-examine experiences that include events and other things as well that make us more of a community. All right. And so right now you've got, I mean, are you, are you allowed to be on social media? Oh, absolutely. Okay, because I know that whenever... Whenever I, I was making paid ads for the podcast on Facebook, and I was trying to include that I was going to talk to a dispensary, and they shut it down, saying sure. that I couldn't even mention dispensary. So I was wondering, okay, so you do have social you media. You haven't done it properly, then. I'll help you ah, out with that. Okay. All right. You got to word it right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> We're an herbal supplement store. Oh, all right. All right. Yeah. Take that, Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Eat that one, Zuckerberg. <laughs> So, so where would people be able to find you on social media? Yeah, so you can find us on social media at the Peak OK on Twitter and Instagram, and at the Peak Dispensary on Facebook. Okay, all right. Well, um, is there anything else you'd like to add? Any any anything that you feel like I, I should have asked about and just didn't? I think you've done a great job. Very professional. Oh, thank you. Well, you guys too. I mean, this really is an awesome place. I'm excited to check out the the one back in Tulsa too at some point, but. Um, yeah, this place is awesome. Awesome. So good job. Good job. Yeah. Oh, one thing I would include is if patients have questions about getting their medical cards, uh, they can reach out to us and we will assist them with the medical card licensing process. We also have a guide on our website that will help them as well. Oh, great. That that really is good information. Yeah, because I I mean, I haven't tried to. I don't even know what the process is. Sure. So a lot of people I, don't I would know, know the first place where to look. So. Yeah, we get hundreds of phone calls a day from people that are either looking to know where to start the journey to getting their medical card, or they've just got it and they're ready to begin their journey using medical marijuana. Okay, so that'd be what the peak dispensary dot com. Uh, it's the peak okay peak okay dot com. I think you already said that. But all right, well, thank you very much for talking to me, and uh, I wish you the best. Yeah, you as well. I had a great time today. Thanks. All right, cool. And that wraps it up for this episode of Tulsa Lately. Coming down the pipeline, I've got some pretty exciting stuff. Uh, Going to be chatting with someone from an online charter school in Oklahoma. So that'll be pretty cool. Hear about alternative ways of teaching our kids. Also going to be talking to councilman and Tulsa business mogul Blake Ewing in the next few weeks. Um, so, yeah. Hope you all had good holidays, and I guess there's nothing else, so see y'all around.